And again, the challenge and the encouragement of the series, the overarching thing will be to call us back to the foundation of what it means to belong to the church of Jesus. To be on mission with them, to be devoted followers of Jesus, and then to lead others to Him. Ultimately, that's what Jesus said, and boils it all down love God, love people. And that's what it means to follow Christ as a member of His body. Um, interestingly enough, interwoven through the series, as I read this book, I was, you know, again, highly convicted of areas in my own life, but it touches on, in on the vision and mission of the church. And so, as you're looking at the vision and mission of the church, of this church specifically, I'm like saying, God, how do we, how do we merge the two and help us to be able to do that? This isn't a series so much about church membership as it pertains to your name on a roll, like, you know, that you became an official member of a church. You know, some people have that tradition, some people don't. That's not what it's talking about here. That's not what we're talking um, as far as your name being on a roll. It's really about what it means to be a member of the body of Christ. And again, what that means, so we're going to kind of unpack that. Let's go to the next slide. So just some numbers about the church and the body of Christ, the trends that are going on in the church in America. Now, again, these are not just to say, oh, no, what's going on, and we, we don't have a chance. God is speaking, ultimately, and He is calling us, but every year, more than 4,000 churches close their doors compared to just over 1,000 new church starts. And so we have a de- deficit every year of 3,000 churches that are closing their doors that cease to exist. Um, in, in digging further, that's across the board. That doesn't matter that all denominations are affected. There's not one denomination that kind of like sets themselves up and says, well, we're different than that. This reaches beyond denominational lines, whether you're Pentecostal, charismatic, evangelical, you know, Protestant, whatever you, the evangelical world, that's, that's, the, that's the number there. Every year, 2.7 million church members fail, fall into inactivity. That means they were going to church and then they kind of just stop kind of going and just kind of fall into inactivity. 18% of Americans frequently attend church. Only 18%. 18 out of 100 people frequently go to church. 9 out of 10 churches in America are declining or growing at a pace that is slower than their communities. Only 15% of millennials consider themselves Christian. That's people born between 1980 and 2014, the 34 age range. So we're losing our young people at an alarming rate. So the millennials, 15 out of 100, say that they are identify themselves as an evangelical Christian. And then the average worship service attendance of the evangelical churches in America is 75. 75, you know, we sometimes look at big churches and go, well, that's, that, we have more than 75 here, so we're the exception to the rule. So again, these are not intended to make us hopeless, but to call us to back to living missionally. Uh, Jesus spoke this to the, the church in Revelation in Ephesus. He says, go back to your first love. Go back to the things that you did before. Remember when you were excited. Remember when you were driven by love. Remember when you were missionary. Remember when you had a heart for it, and then at some point you got into a rut. At some point, something happened to your heart, and he's saying, come back, remember love. Don't just go through the motions. Come back to understanding what we've already heard this morning, that God loves you, has a plan, and he's got a mission for each of us. So these numbers, they do reveal that the church has lost its way. We, we are not that far behind Europe where the percentages are even lower. And it wasn't always that way. There were some of the greatest revivals in history or in Europe and churches were booming. And now a lot of those churches have been made into something else and restaurants and tourist attractions. And so we're seeing this and we're not too, not, not too far behind them. And so we have to come back to the mission of the gospel. And I think ultimately that's what these numbers call us. It's not hopeless. It's saying, remember. Remember. Um, go to the next slide. Two key passages. These are kind of the overarching, again, themes throughout this week. I'll be touching in on these um, from time to time. But I think it's so important that we get these in our hearts. First of all, um, Matthew 16 18, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's talking to Peter upon the rock. 
uh, talking about that, that Peter would be among that first, Peter actually took that first message when the birth of the church in Acts 2. And he said, I will build my church. Who is building the church? Jesus is building the church. Whose church is it? It's his church. It's not ours, it's not mine, it's not yours. Those are so important. Even as we look at trends, as we look at things that are going on, to understand it's not my church, it's his church. It's all about him. It's always been about him, and it will forever be about him. He is building the church. And then this missional reminder of John 4. He has just got through ministering to a lady in there, and so he's talking to her. He says, don't you have a saying? It's still four months until the harvest. I'll tell you, open your eyes and look at the field. They are right for the harvest. In other words, guys, remember the mission. Remember that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Remember the mission of the gospel that he gave his life for people and he loves people. This should be the mission of the church. And I think a lot of times why churches go into decline or why they begin to die is they forget the mission. And Jesus is kind of, it's kind of a wake-up call. You wake up and look around. The harvest is right. People need Jesus. People will still need Jesus tomorrow. And we don't ever get away from that mission. And so he's saying he will have the church. The stats don't intimidate him. Jesus doesn't look at those and start getting nervous. He said, I'm still going to build my church. Because ultimately, those problems, they're our problems. They're not his problems. And he will continue to call us back to himself and say, you don't have to just be another statistic. You don't have to board up the, you know, the, the doors of the church. It doesn't have to be turned into some sort of other public place like a library or something or a bookstore. It can be, still be my church if you allow me to build it. And then he says in that John 4, remember the mission. Look around, wake up to the gospel every day to lead people to Christ. And again, may God give us grace to repent, to, to say, God, help us to see what you called us to do and, and remember that, each one of us. It's, it's interesting, the subtitle of that book, if you read the I Am the Churchman, and it says this, and I didn't notice this for a while. Um, but it's just discovering the attitude that makes a difference. Discovering the attitude that makes a difference. And again, I didn't see that for a while. I just got the book and I read it. And I was very challenged by it. Um, some time ago, about a year and a half ago, I read a, a book by John Maxwell called Attitude 101. And it's, it's another short read if you ever get a chance to fantastic book about how our attitude is so important. You know, some people say attitude is everything. There's a lot of truth to that. You can teach people that are maybe don't have certain giftings or qualifications, but if they have the right attitude, it's amazing what you can do. Coaches will tell you that. When, when you hear somebody go, that, 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 that person, that player, they're very coachable. What they're saying is they got the right attitude. They come ready. They say, tell me, I want to learn. I want to be teachable. I want to do what you would ask me to do. I want to be ready to do whatever you want me to do. And, 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 and so attitude is so huge. And a part of this book, part of this series is discovering sometimes where we have bad attitude and allowing God to speak into that. In the intro of the book, he gives this tale of two church members that he's read it. And, you know, these guys have been meeting for coffee, and it became a weekly thing. And um, they both go to the same church their families go. And one guy, he noticed that the other guy was a little bit like, something's wrong, something's weird going on. So he says, like, what's going on? And the guy just begins to be critical of the church. Well, you know, this is not happening for me, and the pastor's not feeding me, and, you know, I don't feel like this, and I and it was interesting because it's a concept and the other guy, and he said, I see you guys are still doing it. Doesn't that bother you? And he said, you know, God, is, it's what God has called us to because there are no perfect churches, if you were wondering. There are no perfect church members. There are no perfect pastors. And we are all broken and we need Christ Jesus. We all have different roles, but we are all broken and we need Jesus desperately. And he was showing the contrast of the true story about these two guys that met that one, the attitude is shifted on what's not happening for me. And the other one is just saying, what is God called us to? One looked at the negative, one said, let's look at what's going on. Let's look, let's thank God for what is happening instead of what is not happening. So it's about maintaining the right attitude. It's, it's again, we are, we're imperfect and we blow it. We all have issues. 
church as a family and we're dysfunctional. God bless you. Have a good day. Um, so what does it mean, this first section, what does it mean to be a functioning member? And we're going to talk about becoming a functioning member of the body of Christ. What does it mean to be a functioning member asking this question of what does it mean to be a, a, a healthy, functioning member? Meaning this, one who fulfills the God-given role that they were placed there for found in God's Word. So what, are, what is the functioning member supposed to look like? And we're going to unpack that today. How do they support the church? What do they do for the church? What does the church do for them? How do I know my place in the church? So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12, 12-27, a very uh, well-known passage of Scripture, and then we'll kind of break this down. And we'll also look at 1 Corinthians 13 in a few moments. First Corinthians 12, 12 27. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is the Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit drink. Even so, the body is made up of, even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. Verse 17, he says, if the whole body were an eye, and Paul's saying it's kind of, it's kind of a clever analogy here, but really saying that you know, when you look at the human body, you can see... This thing, what Doug even said this morning about unity, how things work together. And he says, if the whole body were an eye, you'd be like Michael Kowski for months to think, or something like that. So, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in, in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would. If, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Verse 23. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the bodies together, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it. So that there should be no division in the body, no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body, the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. So again, this great analogy here in First Corinthians 12 that helps us understand what it means to be a part of the church, a member of the body of Christ, and uses our human bodies. This one human body is an incredible example. And so again, when we talk about what does it mean to be a member, there's a distinction, there's a huge difference in membership in a country club or an organization versus being a member of the body of Christ or His church. Here's one of the big problems. A lot of people began to treat the church as a country club or a civic or, you know, organization. And they, when they do that, they begin, people begin to treat it as if, you know, as, as if this kind of plays out. I pay my dues, therefore I'm entitled to get what I want. Now, we may not say it, but a lot of times people live it. I, I, well, I give to the church before they should do what I want them to do. And that's kind of, if you're part of a, a country club you know, or, or, or an organization where you're paying dues, you immediately have this kind of part ownership. And if we understand that ownership is, is, is Jesus alone, he said, I will build my church, it's his. Ownership that's already been established. It's not mine, it's not yours, it's his. And a lot of people go, I know, I pay my dues before, I'm entitled to get what I want. This is my church, so you will do this or that. And that is one of the major troubling trends, is that the church becomes 
place where entitlement reigns. I could go on to tell you many, many different stories, but I can share one with you. Um, the church that was in Georgia that I was a part of many years ago, when Ethan and I were first married. And it was built by this brothers, there's about four or five brothers that built this church and started this church. And I think at the beginning of the day, you know, their, their families were there and it was kind of alive. And, but what had happened is, again, through time, something happened to where they didn't just build the church, they owned it. Um, they had a reputation, uh, this was really happening with two of the pastors that they didn't agree with, didn't like. They just went to their house and said, you have one week to pass this stuff and leave. We don't want you here anymore. And a lot of times it was because maybe the, the, the pastors were maybe preaching something they didn't agree with or they didn't like. And so they would run them out of town. This happened a couple of times. And then we were there, um, I was, you know, I, I was a, a, a youth leader, part-time youth leader there, and, and there was a lot of dysfunction in that church, and, uh, and, and it was interesting, after we left, we moved back to Tennessee, and um, interestingly enough, while we were there, where the youth met, there was a, there was a fellowship hall like ours up there, but the, the youth was beginning to split, like at the top, and we were kind of unsafe to be in there, we were told not to be in there. And so... Interestingly enough, we got word later on, a few months after we, but there was a general contractor that came and we looked and this guy's speaking prophetically. He has no idea um, what he's saying. You know, it, you know, he's just looking at things at, in the, in the natural. He's looking at this, he does an examination. He says, the foundation of this church is solid. He said, you, have, you need a, you need a, you, there's a whole foundational thing that has to be redone foundation is ruined. Interesting. speaking somewhat prophetically and not realizing it. Within about a year, that church was shut down and, and boarded up and then even unsafe to go into the building. And again, this is a picture, a small picture of a lot of what has happened. There have been churches that split over carpet change. Angry arguments over the silliest of things. And why does that happen? It's because we forget the mystery of the gospel and little things become big things and actually become idols that we worship. We have to guard our hearts. It's interesting that in a body, you know, when someone has cancer, Cancer cells are, are very alive, but what happens is when they begin to destroy the body, they are self-serving cells that destroy the healthy cells. When you think about churches that are part of the body, if they die, what happens a lot of times are self-serving cells that are in there eating away at the healthy ones and doing death. The churches that are making the greatest impact are, are healthy churches. Again, not perfect churches. They blow it, but they understand the mission. That, that, and that is what God has called us to, is to, is, is to call us to be a place of health. And again, that's a, the primary thing to call us to during this series. To become the church that Jesus wants to be. A healthy, loving, fully functioning, missional church. So we're going to break down this passage a little bit as we look at what it means to be a functioning member of the body of Christ. We're going to look at six things here very quickly. Number one. Membership means we are all necessary parts of the whole. We are many parts, but one body. We are necessary parts of the whole. This is from verses 13 and 14. Some reject the notion of membership altogether, say that that word is too secular as it pertains to uh, the church, but in Scripture, it's the exact opposite. It, it says that we are members. The world has kind of stolen this word and made it something that is not, or at least, again, in the context of the church. But Paul clearly lays out that membership is biblical. And he does so, he does so by showing us that just as a human body, it's one body, but it has many different parts, and each one is a necessary part of the body to function properly. And it also means that every part is necessary. Necessary. But they are all a part of a whole, a bigger picture. 
Every part is necessary in the body, no matter their role or their function. And the whole idea of being necessary means it's critical and it's vital to being a healthy body. So again, you need to clearly understand this morning that you are part of the body of Christ, the church, and you are necessary. More than being needed or wanted, you know, everybody wants to be needed or wanted, but you're necessary, you're vital, you're essential. You're essential to the mission of the gospel. You know, it's interesting that body parts that don't function properly or they don't function at all. Some of you understand that. Some of you, you know, going through physical things or if you've been injured in some way or you, you know, maybe have had your serving your arm or leg or something in the past and for a period of time you have no function. It's very difficult. You're reminded of your limitations, don't you? Isn't it interesting that you can stub your big toe really, really bad and you find out very quickly how essential it is to the body because all of a sudden you're feeling that everywhere and, you're, and it's causing you to make a, you know, adjustments and you, the other parts of the body have to kind of pick up the load and it, and it hurts. I mean, you, you, you know, you are, and then every time, and if you're like me, if you stub your toe or something, you tend to hit it all the time, right? It's that third, fourth, fifth time that just really feels great. But you find out when you when you are limited, and, and, and if you're not using the parts of the body, what happens is they get into atrophy. They begin to actually atrophy just means death. I mean, it begins to it will begin to shrivel up. It will begin to be unuseful because it's necessary. It was created to do something. And when, it, when that happens again, the other parts of the body have to make adjustments for that part of the body that gets neglected. People in churches get burned out because they are trying sometimes to function in too many roles. This is another trend in the body of The old adage is 20% of the people do 80% of the work, and 20% of the work never gets done. And that's why, you know, it, 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 in, in a lot of the pastor conferences that I go to, they say guard your people from burnout because you have those certain people that it, it's easy to call on all the time because you know they'll do it. And really what it is is they are picking up things that other parts of the body should be doing as a healthy, functioning body. And then, but after a while, if that hand is doing all all the work that maybe the other parts of you know, and, and the lifting, and it's just taking after a while, it gets tired, it gets worn out, because ultimately the legs were supposed to help, and the back, and the other arms, and all these things were supposed to work together to lift. And people get burned out. I've said this before, but here's here's all necessary. You know, take your foot and try to scratch the top of your head. Kind of sounds silly. Don't try it, please. If you do, wait a second. I'm going to get a film of this, and uh, I'm going to put it on YouTube. Um, but if you think about that, unless you're a gymnast, you're not going to probably be able to do it. But that's what happens is when you have parts of the body that are do, they're, they're doing too much, or they're doing what they were not created to do, or other parts of the body are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. We have to become a contortionist to keep going. And that's not a healthy way to do it. You're intended to function. A part of functioning is you are intended to function every day as a part of the church. This building isn't the church. This is where we meet. This building will come and go. I mean, by the, you know, all of this stuff will be gone. But we are the church. The people are the church. And so you're not created to function once a week. You're, you're created to function every day. So to just use parts of your body once a week, see how well that goes. Again, atrophy sets in. You're intended to function every day. Number two, membership means that each member is equally important. Paul kind of deals with two sides of the coin here. Remember, he said, some people feel inferior. They feel like, well, if I'm not that, then I'm really not part of the body. And people see, like, the important, well, those are the most important roles, like preaching. Preaching is not the most important role. Pastor is not the most important function in the body of Christ. It's not. It'll let you off the hook. It's not. 
everyone is equally important. The way the world looks at it, the world looks at it as a ladder that won't climb up. The body of Christ, Jesus looks at it like this. Everybody is a functioning member. Everybody is equally important. But what happens is we get influenced by culture and we say, well, that's the most important. You know, being up front. And, and, then, and then he says, and, and to the Corinthian church, he said, some people say, well, I'm not that, therefore I'm not a part. He said, that's not any way to do it. That's not, that's, that, that extreme, it doesn't work. You're equally important. And then on the other side is this prideful thing of, well, I'm, 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 I've got this function and you other functions, you're not as important as me. It's kind of a prideful thing that we look at our function as the most important. And either extreme is wrong. We are equally important. Again, this is a, this is a, sometimes can cause great struggle in the body and cause great problems in the church. And so we often think that some members are more important than the ones that are maybe hidden. And what does Paul say about the hidden? He said they're actually more important. That person that maybe isn't seen. They're just behind the scenes. Maybe they're praying in the back. And maybe they're doing something here, but they are so important because they have the right attitude and they're praying for the church and they're praying for the mission and they are saying, I'm active. I may not be out front, but I am important to what is going on. So we have to kind of fight culture. And again, that twofold warning of looking to the extreme of, of well, I'm not that, so I'm not important, or I'm this and you're not, and so therefore you're not important. And then he gives us this kind of funny, if the whole body was in common, you know, how it, it would kind of be weird. It would, you know, bother, the whole body was a nose, it would just, we would smell really good and nothing else. We wouldn't be able to move, we wouldn't be able to do anything else. So each is equally important. Romans 12 kind of even breaks this thing out into the leaders, their servers, their encouragers, their givers. Everybody's important. It's something for introverts and extroverts. Do not allow your personality to dictate what you can or cannot do. Some of you guys are familiar with Pastor uh, Miles McPherson, who shares this story. That he was at his church, and uh, there were some ladies meeting. And some of uh, we have a few ladies that, that make quilts, and they, they make them for, for many people. It's a great ministry. Well, this church, they had the same kind of thing. There were a group of ladies that met that to, to make quilts. Well, he's kind of walking down the hall, and then down the hallway, he just sees this guy. He said, This guy's about six four, he's about 250 pounds, he's got tattoos all over him. He's just a rough, rough looking guy. And he was at that first one, like, Whoa, this guy from and what he goes during the middle of the week and the ladies are meeting to make quilts and, and he's kind of like, you know, yikes, what, you know, this guy looks like he's lost or his immediate thought is this guy has a need of some sort and he's like, hey, you know, how, what's your name? He said, my name is Jim and, uh, and I'm looking for the, uh, the sewing quilting thing. And so he's thinking his mom must be in there or something. Um, we get to talking to him, and Jim had been in prison, and in prison he learned how to sew. And he had given his life to the Lord, and he got out, and he said, I want to make a difference. He said, Mom, my life has been wrecked. I've had a really rough, really rough life. And he said, I heard about this group, and I called and found out a little bit about it. He said, I learned to sew. I haven't learned how to learn how to quilt, but I'm here to learn how to quilt. And about that time, this lady comes up behind Miles and Pierce, and she says, Are you Jim? She takes his hand, she says, We're meeting in here, and there's this big burly guy, and this little old lady walking in. And he said, You know, in the church, made quilts and blankets for needy people. He said, I want to make a difference. Well, what if somebody told Jim that, you know, man, you don't look like the quilting type? You need to leave. He wanted to find his place in the body of Christ. And sometimes that we can look and we can make this judgment and he wants to serve in some way. And what a beautiful picture that is. Number three. Membership means we understand that God places us in the body as he chooses. Paul says that it's as he wills, not as we will, as he will. This is a place of great humility. And it's huge for us to understand that God places us place people in the church as he desires, not as we desire, or we see fit. It's 
sometimes we go, well, what fits my taste or my preferences? And so then we kind of package ourselves and, 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 and he's saying, as he will, not as we will. He does give us gifts to use, but we are to make ourselves available to him in whatever he would want us to do. Again, going back to the whole being coachable and teachable and having the right attitude. It's where do you want me to fit in? I'm here to serve. And when we make ourselves available as servants, we are usable in the hands of God. And again, that's the, the greatest way to get to glory. Following the example of Christ and becoming a servant, there was a guy I heard at C3 conference this past week, and they, he, um, he took over, it was a kind of a dying church, he took it over, and he said, what, and what the Lord is calling it to do is he said, we're going to become a serving church. And so it's in the DNA of the church, starting from the leadership down. Um, it's a large church, and so there are a lot of different pastors, and they, there's a lot of guys that, 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 that have preaching duties there, but they have this thing, it's called preaching heart. So if you preach one Sunday, the next Sunday you're out in the parking lot with a yellow vest, parking cars. He said it's called preaching park. So he said, we want everyone to know that the, the path of the preacher, that's not the most important thing. You've been preached one week and you're going to park cars the next week. He said, there are people that are up on stage, a lot of the worship people, people that have a very visible stage, they take turns cleaning the church. And he said, you know, he said, sometimes I have these people that come in and say, well, I'm, I'm a gifted worship leader, you know, and I, I've got all these gifts in it. And of course, it's funny. He said, I want you to take your skinny jeans in there and put them in the bathroom. Because he said, that's actually our first test, is if you can go in and clean the bathroom with the right attitude, then you might be able to be ready to go on stage. Different. But it's more possible. Jesus became a servant. Jesus is basically saying, nothing is beneath me. Um, it's saying, I'm available to do whatever, whatever you need to do. God, you are the one. You place us in the body as you will. It's not about my gifting. It's not about my calling. It's not about my ministry. Or I can only do that. Or look at my abilities. It's not about putting our abilities on display, but it's about saying, God, I'm available. Some people would say, I'm not called to do serving-oriented things. But that would be totally against the nature of Christ. As a Christ follower, he was a servant. Here's Jesus, the great teacher, healer, awesome, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who washed his disciples' feet and took on the lowest form of a slave in the home and would wash his disciples' feet. Basically, the night before he was crucified. And not saying, hey guys, I'm going to die, so it's going to be about me to He washed their feet. He loved them. So it's, we're, we're, ultimately, we are called to accomplish His will in the church. And again, it's about exalting Christ, putting Him on this place, bringing Him glory, pointing people to the mission of the gospel. Number four, membership means that we are different, but we still work together. We're different, but we work together. This is verse 19, verse 12. One of the great things about a church and one that a functioning member understands completely and then embraced it. The Lord has made us all different and unique, yet we all work together. Just as the unique parts of your body, the finger doesn't look like the ear, looks differently, it has a different function, but it is called to work together. And so we have these, these, these parts of the body, you name it, I mean, you know, all the parts of the body. They're distinctly having a distinct important role. But since we are all part of one body, we're called to work together in unity. Next, next week, is, uh, we're going to be preaching about unity. So the Lord doesn't expect us all to be the same, act the same, like all the same things. He made us unique and different so that we could fulfill the role that He's called us to in His body, the church. But in the midst of that, it creates great challenges because we're so different. And so, again, one of the tendencies is to think that our role, our function, is more important than someone else's. And we have to guard our heart. They're not doing that, so that's not important. So we've got to continually see the value in other roles as a part of the kingdom of God in this world. That in unity, we see each other as valuable and that we are called to work 
together. So it isn't about the individual, it's about the whole. Remember that. It's not about us as individuals, it's about the whole and the mission that Christ has called us to. Number five. It kind of leads us into number five. Membership means that we are not independent, but interdependent. And this is verses 22 through 27. We're not independent, but we're interdependent. And this will crash against culture all day long. We live in a world that prides itself on independence. I don't need anybody. I can do this by myself. We depend on ourselves. We kind of tend to push help away. And I think that in a lot of ways that idea has snuck into church and it hasn't affected us. Some people say, I love God, I'm a Christian, but I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Technically, that's right. The problem is it's not scripture. It contradicts scripture. We're called to interdependency. We need one another. We need one another. You know, I, I think that you know when you break down a clock or a watch and all these interdependent things that one triggers another, triggers another to make this thing run the way it's supposed to. If you take out one of the steps, if you just say, well, I think that's just kind of an unneeded part, all of a sudden, the whole watch, the whole clock is affected and it, and it breaks down. Again, think about body parts that aren't attached. It doesn't make a lot of sense if you think, well, you know, I can temporarily take my hand off and then I'll come back and, and I'll pick it up and I'll put it back on. Well, once a week I'll use my hand and other parts that I won't. It doesn't, doesn't make sense. Especially if it's detached, it begins to die. If it's not plugged, it's not connected, it loses the blood flow. It loses what it's intended to do and it will die if you take it off. That's how a lot of people look at it, you know, that I'm just detached and then fast and detached and fast. No, we're called to work as a body, just as Paul gave us analogy, to function properly and healthy. Also, it doesn't make a lot of sense where the hand can just become independent and say, well, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And then it's just kind of controlling the body. Or the, the, the leg is wanting to go this way and that leg wants to go this way. What's going to happen? Something's going to get it. You don't want to see me doing splits right now. Because it's what ultimately gets attached to the head. Jesus is the head of the church. And he says, I will speak. I will tell you what you're supposed to do. Don't be independent. Don't be rebellious. Don't get off and do your own thing. You are, you are not an individual. You are a part of a whole. And that's how it's intended to be. That's why we're given this analogy. Cohesive. Working together. If, we're, if we aren't regularly connected to each other, how do we follow Scripture to bear one another's burden? How do we know that you have a burden if you're not connected? If you're not a part? And then Hebrews 10, 24, 25, it's a command, and that's why people say, well, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian, but here's what Hebrews 10 says, don't forsake coming together, as some are in the habit of doing and he's saying some people are making a habit of not coming together. We saw the stats earlier. People are just saying it's not important enough to me to be connected. People don't do that. And why are people doing it? Some people get their feelings hurt. Some people, there's all kinds of different reasons. And what, what we're told here is that's why we have to forgive and we have to love and we have to make allowance for each other's fault because you're going to get your feelings hurt. You're going to get offended at times. Just like a family. Just like a marriage. It, it, if you don't walk in forgiveness and working together, it's destined to break apart and fall apart. But he says, don't forsake them. Don't forsake coming together as some of them have to do. But come together and stir up each other to love and good works. So there is a, there's a place for the corporate gathering to stir each other up to love and good deeds. So we come together to work together, to be connected, to love, to remind each other of the mystery. And you can't do this if you're disconnected. It just, it, it, it's just not meant. You just can't do it. It doesn't make any, any sense. That's why in, you know, we, we have like that, you know, even in our bylaws, we have a thing what an active member is and what an inactive member is. And I think it's just, and reading it, it's just kind of funny to me. Because in the Bible, there's no description for an inactive member of the body of Christ. 
Now, I understand there's grace for somebody that's homebound and they're sick and they have a you know, illness or something. I'm not talking about that. But an inactive member that just doesn't come for long periods of time. And then, and then we go, well, they're an inactive member. And it's like, well, there's, there was no wording for that in the Bible. It, it was, this is what you're called to do. When you're a Christian, when you're a follower of Christ, you're meant to be an active member of the church and the body of Christ. That's why, you know, even in our human bodies, it's not like that, uh, well, inactive. But that's not an active part of my body. I only use it once a week or whenever I feel like it. It's like, well, then it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. Number six is the last one. Membership means everything that we say and that everything that we do is based on biblical foundations of love. Again, it's not about us as individuals. It's about the whole the body of Christ. First Corinthians 13. It's interesting that the Corinthian church, right after this First Corinthians 12 that I read to you earlier, and we've been tracking, and the next chapter is the love chapter, First Corinthians 13. And you can see that, that Paul is dealing with the Corinthian church because their tendency was to be somewhat prideful in their role or maybe feeling like, well, I'm nothing, I'm a nobody because I'm not this or that, and they were kind of going in the extreme. And Paul is dealing with this and says, no, everyone's necessary, but here's how it here's here's how it all works together. Here's the fuel. Here's the you know here's, here's the stuff that makes the engine run in the body. And it's verse thirteen. This passage is again is used at weddings, and, and again that's a, that's appropriate. However, in the context of the scriptures here, it is written as a part of the body of to understand your place. Understand that you are a functioning member, you are called to be a functioning member, and the thing that causes us to go is, is love, is, is, is biblical love, self-sacrificial love, and that's the love here. Every time you hear the word love, first we get put in this flame life on It's serving. It's self-sacrificial. I'm going to read this. It's not up on your screen, but I'm just going to read this. We're going to close. As I read it, again, it's a guy with our own hearts. Paul said, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging symbol. If I have to give the prophecy, I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. If I have faith, I can move mountains, but I don't have love on nothing. If I give all I have, I have passed to the poor and give my body over to hardship. That I might boast, but do I do not have love? I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. So we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness of the perfect comes, what is in part is achieved. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, and I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain faithful and love. The greatest of these is love. Do you feel what he's saying? And it can be this overwhelming list of what love is and what love isn't. And what he's saying is if you understand and you're walking with Christ and you love Jesus with all your heart, he enables you and empowers you and gives and is able to love through you to the other parts of the body. But that's what he's saying is this is, this is a description. He just got through talking about the body of Christ and put to his So it's not a leap to say that this is how the, the, the body should function. This is how you should function. That you should be patient and kind with each other, working with the other parts of the body. You shouldn't be envious. Don't boast, don't be proud. That's what it says in 12. Well, I'm this and you're not that. It keeps no record of wrong. It doesn't dishonor each other. It doesn't delight in evil. It protects, it trusts, it hopes, it perseveres. And 
ultimately, that kind of love never fails. And if that love, if that the self-sacrificial love of Christ, modeled by Jesus, if that is pervasive in the body of Christ, how healthy do you think we will be? How missional do you think we will be? What kind of impact would we make if we begin to choose not to hold on to offense? We choose to forgive each other, to make allowances for each other, to love each other the way Christ loved, loved us. And so it gives us a short description of what it means to be a functioning member of the body of Christ. But along with that, it means to be connected. It means to be connected. You need to be connected. It's vital. It's so important. It means to be in relationship with the other members of the body. Not just sometimes, but all the time. It means to serve. It means to forgive. It means to make allowance for each other. It means to make ourselves available and promote this kingdom instead of our ability. And ultimately, it's about this. All of us, as one body, following Jesus, following His mission, to spread the gospel to the world point people to Christ so that many will come to know Him. So here's some questions not to ask and then questions to ask if you close down today. Instead of how has my church served me or met my needs, here's the question we should ask. Where or who can I serve? Whose needs can I meet? Instead of who talked to me, who made me feel welcome, who came to me asked this question, who should I talk to? Who should I make for what? Who should I go to? It's all about changing our attitude and our perspective as members of the body of Christ. When we do that, we'll walk in greater peace, we'll walk in hope, and we will walk in mission the way we were intended to be. So have you been a functioning member? If not, again, we'll allow the Lord to say, here's what you've done well, Here's the things we need to look at, but ultimately allow God's grace to come to your heart, have Him change us as a body, and say, God, help me to be a functioning member. Let's stand together and pray. Jesus, thank you again for this day. Thank you, God, for grace and mercy. Uh, Lord, I, I, I do pray, God, that you would forgive us, Lord, where we have maybe been a bit self serving. Lord, maybe where we have not been connected like we need to be connected. Lord, where we have not functioned the way we needed to function. And Lord, I just pray, God, that your grace would have been on more and more to our hearts, God, so that, that, that ultimately that we would say, God, thank you for the conviction. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your conviction. We're not guilt. Guilt does not allow us to change, but your conviction or will. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come to our hearts and show up. Give us a revelation of who you are and who we are in you as the body of Christ. I pray this for each one of us. In the name of Jesus. Thank you guys for being here. We have a great day.